Hello and welcome to another juicy podcast episode, another amazing interview where I sat down with a beautiful friend of mine, Amy Zepanowski, who is a trauma healer and coach. She actually teaches her clients how to do the inner work required for them to heal, let go and reach their fullest potential. She's also the owner of Mima Planning, which is a incredible business which creates stationary design to help you plan, keep you accountable and accomplish your goals. So she's a busy little bee. She is a beautiful soul like her heart is pure gold and today we really spoke about some juicy topics so not only was Amy incredibly vulnerable in sharing some of her past experiences with mental health eating disorders and trauma which she hasn't really shared publicly before we also dive into the topics of childhood trauma and how it impacts us as adults how the victim mentality is holding you back and taking responsibility for your healing finding forgiveness and acceptance to set yourself free eating disorders body image and binge eating and managing your energy as a sensitive and empathetic person. So I'm going to leave it there. The rest of the podcast will speak for itself. I hope you love it and enjoy. Hi, I'm Jessie, your host of the Jessie Williams podcast. I'm a personal trainer and women's online health coach, bringing you all things health, wellness, money, mindset, and just life in general. If you want to learn, laugh, and up-level your life, this is a podcast for you. Each episode, we'll talk habits, tips, tricks, and big ideas to nourish your mind and inspire you to create your dream life by design. Let's dive in. I'm so excited to welcome a beautiful guest on today. Amy, welcome. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. To kick off, would you like to just start off by telling our listeners a little bit about you and what you do? Yeah, amazing. I always actually find this question quite difficult because I feel like to sum up in a few sentences, who am I? Mm. (laughs) There's so much depth there. I feel like that's for everybody. Like there's so much depth to who we are and half the time we can't explain it, but I will do my best. Um, So I'm 25 years old. I live on the Gold Coast. I've got a beautiful partner. I just became a dog mum, thanks to the the inspiration from you and your dogs. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And, yeah, I've created a beautiful life for myself. I'm also starting to live out my passion and purpose, um, which is trauma coaching and healing. Um, And I'm really loving it so far. I help women mainly um, step into their authenticity, heal from their past traumas and really just change the the old patterns and um, ways of thinking, right, that aren't really serving them moving forward. Mm, I love that. Um, That's beautiful and so needed in this space. And can I just say it's been so amazing actually just like watching and following you along on Instagram and seeing you really step into that space and own it. Um, It's incredible. So I guess like I always feel like for someone to land in this kind of industry and be in this kind of space, there's usually a little bit of a backstory or something in particular which kind of inspired them to get there. So do you feel like there's anything that you personally went through that inspired you to get into this space? Yeah, definitely. I feel like it's been my whole life, right? Um, I've had challenges from quite a young age. I mean, I feel like I've always been quite a sensitive kid. Um, and it also started when my parents were going through a divorce um, and that sort of rocked my world. Um, I ended up being the parent for my parents, mm-hmm. right, and stepping to that role where I was advocating a lot of the time for my mum and kind of getting myself involved. Um, and that kind of spiralled for me. I ended up yeah, suffering from anxiety and depression and panic attacks I changed different schools. Yeah, it really got, it was a challenging time for me. I went through eating disorders. Um, I sort of had, I felt like I had no control. So I was trying to control something, right? And after school, I kind of just moved out, moved out of home. I picked a university that was so far away. So I had to move (laughs) to go there because I just wanted to get out. And it was not until I started working in a job, which was residential care. So I worked in a home of four teenage girls and they all suffer from tremendous trauma 
because they've been taken off their parents, um, put through the foster care system, and they ended up in these homes living with other kids that have been through different traumas, but on the same level. So it was a really interesting job for me because when I first started, it was pretty chill. And then um, it got to a stage where the behaviours got really bad and we learnt trauma-informed care. And that's when I started learning about traumas um, and how it affects behaviour. And we learnt how to look for the feeling behind the behaviour. So with, you know, the child, they would present with this behaviour and it was our job to figure out the feeling behind it and what they needed, right, and how to put aside how we feel to make sure that they're getting their needs met. That was all well and good. It was very, it was a challenge, but it was really good. I loved it. But it got to the point where I started having trauma reenactment, right? So I started a lot of the slamming doors and the yelling. It kind of reminded me from my home growing up. Um, I started getting a little bit of PTSD and I was sort of forced out of the job eventually because it was really affecting my health physical, mental, um, that's when I started the disordered eating again um, because I was chronically stressed. I couldn't sleep. It was just a really difficult time. I isolated myself during that time as well. Um, I did a bit of travelling, which was quite crazy as well because I feel like when you travel, you learn so much about yourself. Um, I learned that I was so indecisive, right? I couldn't make up my mind. And when you're on a Kentucky tour, like you kind of need to make quick decisions. So that was, yeah, um, a pivotal moment in my life, I think. And that's when I started on my personal development journey. And I started researching into um, just how the mind works and how the body works and um, trauma, childhood trauma. Before that, I studied nursing and psychology in uni. I didn't finish because I felt that I just didn't need to. Like I, I didn't want to fit into that mould. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So when I started on my personal development journey, I kind of thought I want to help people with the same struggles that I've been through in my life, right, um, especially young adolescents. I would like to work with more in the future. But just anybody who has been in the same position mentally that I was in because I was in a pretty bad state for you know on and off for the many years eventually I did a course in life coaching and NLP um, and then I just kind of started my business a few years ago and at the start it was kind of it was challenging because I was getting triggered by my clients right so there was a Mm -hmm. lot more work for me to do Um, and I feel like in the past six months I've gotten to a place where I can help so many people because I know what works because it's worked for me. Yeah. Right? So I've created my own sort of um, tools and techniques to help other people and I'm seeing them work because, and I know that they work, right? So I can teach them. Yes. What I've been doing. <laughs> so awesome. And I think a really cool piece in that is almost how a lot of what, I mean, you've been through these really Uh, painful kind of like experience with the disordered eating and the anxiety and the panic attacks. And what's really interesting to me and probably to a lot of people is that like a huge catalyst for that was like your parents' divorce and having to step into and taking that caretaker role and being the advocate and things like that. And so many people in this space hear the word trauma and it's a very boxed in perception of like what's included under that umbrella. And a lot of people think that traumas only can be these really huge, big traumatic events, which actually isn't always the case. And it's not to, I guess, undermine people's experiences with those because obviously like they're, they're awful, but it's also is to let people know that there are more things that can cause trauma other than those big capital T kind of traumas as well. So what's your take on trauma? And I guess like, what's your take on what's included within that? Um, I feel like there's such a range of different traumas, right? Um, There could be a car accident trauma, right? And that's easier to, I guess, treat because it happens once, right? But then there's also trauma where things are happening every single day and they continue to happen. And that's why we get Um, We have these patterns and limited thinking because this is how we've learnt to deal with life and stress in general. And a lot of the work that I do with my clients is childhood trauma because as a child, 
um, we're driven by emotion, right? The logical part of our brain isn't quite developed yet. So a lot of the time when trauma happens, we're not educated on how to cope with that. And we Mm -hmm. end up blaming ourselves and thinking there's something wrong with me. And that's when the relationships with ourselves start to crumble because we're not building that connection with ourselves and we end up living for everybody else but us, right? And we end up not knowing what we want and doing what everybody else wants. I think childhood trauma is probably the hardest to treat because it's something that's been in somebody's life for so long, Mm. right? It's not just one traumatic event. It's years of trauma. And you know what? It could just be going to school, getting bullied, right? Um, A teacher picking on you for a year and pretty much giving you the message that you're not good enough. You're never going to be good enough, right? That could affect someone for the rest of their lives, right? Mm -hmm. Just by a few little comments that a teacher makes. And this is why it's so important for, I guess, you know, especially health workers, teachers, parents to understand trauma, because it could just be as little as shaming your kid over and over again, right? Being shamed, right? That's massive. Mm -hmm. You're being annoying. That's like a huge (laughs) one. Like you stop being annoying. I see that all the time. Because that's them, I guess, as a kid, that's you expressing who you are, right? And when you're told that it's annoying and to stop, right, it's kind of like, well, what can I do, right? I've got to fit into this mold so then um, I don't get criticised and I fit in, right? Yeah, yeah. I see it's so common and like a huge one that comes up is like this deep-rooted kind of like narrative of I'm a burden. Yeah. Like people don't want me around. And yeah, I love how you put that that childhood trauma piece is something that like people have carried through their whole entire life and almost becomes a layer of their identity. And the interesting thing is when you get into this kind of work and you start working on people's limiting beliefs, often it's so hard for them to identify limiting beliefs that were formed in childhood because to them, it's not actually limiting belief, it's the truth. It's who they are. Mm. And I see this so often and Um, A lot of the time, and I know even when I was doing personal development on myself, um, I was acting the victim and I wasn't aware of it then, right? This is how I am because this is what I've been through. And it's only when I took responsibility for my emotions and the fact that I'm the creator of them, Mm -hmm. right? You've got to figure out where it's all coming from. And a lot of the time it's your beliefs, right? And the thoughts that, you know, come together and make them emotions. So when you go through trauma and you've got all this childhood trauma, part of healing is taking responsibility for the fact that this is what happened to you, but now you're doing it to yourself. Yes. That's what you're used to. You're used to maybe getting treated like that. So we start treating ourselves that way, right? So taking responsibility for this isn't, I, I don't have to live like this. I don't need to live in pain, right? I can change that for myself. Yeah. And not letting like what happened to you define though, what happened to you in the past define what happens to you in in the future as well. And that responsibility piece is so powerful. And a lot of people really shy away from that because they think that if they take responsibility, it means that what the other person did was okay or that they need to forgive them and stuff like that. And this responsibility piece is actually, it's not about, you don't necessarily have to forgive the other person. Um, And sometimes people don't actually do anything wrong. It is how you perceive what they did, but sometimes what they did was wrong. But if you keep playing that victim card and holding on to what happened to you, you're going to stay stuck where you've always been. So it's kind of about that responsibility is almost about saying what they did wasn't okay, but it is my responsibility to show up um, and change the patterns and how I process what happened in that kind of sense. And the biggest thing is acceptance. And it's not accepting that um, it's more accepting that it happened to you, not Mm. that it was okay that it happened to you. Yes. Right. Because you can't go back and change the past. And a big part of forgiveness as well is really just setting yourself free from the burden Mm. of carrying this pain with you, right. Mm. And the resentment, right. I know for years I was very resentful from a few people in my life and um, all it did is get me down. It stopped me from having all these opportunities that I could have had. Right, it stopped me from living my life to the fullest because I was like, I sort of felt like if I forgave this person, it's kind of letting them get away with like 
you know, treating me how they treated me. And now I understand that it's really just, it's all about you at the end of the day. You holding on to it isn't affecting the other person. They're just going off and living their life, right? But it's all to do with healing within you. And when things change on the inside, they change on the outside. Yes, that's like the saying, something like um, hatred and resentment is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. It's just like, I I haven't heard of that. Yeah. And it's so true. And exactly like how you just put it is like you being resentful and stuff like that. Actually, nothing happens to the other person. It's like all within you. And it's not really fair that something that like, you know, trauma or situation or something that happened to you and you're the one that's left feeding into this like resentment and anger and you're carrying that around with you. So it really is about that acceptance piece so that you can almost free yourself from that. But something else that I find really interesting is I feel like if anyone was to meet you now, meet you today as you are, um, see you on social media, they would just like not have any idea about the extent of what you've been through with like, you know, levels of disordered eating and like the anxiety and things like that. What are some of the things or the tools that you feel really helped you? Like when you were on your personal development journey or when you were beginning to heal from, you know, your own wounds, what are some of the practices or the tools or the things that you did that you feel that helped you the most? It's interesting that you say that because I remember being younger, like an adolescent, and I was like, you know what, if I had a broken arm, people would know I was in pain, right? Mm. But nobody can see that I'm in so much pain inside, right? And back then it was kind of like I probably did identify as my pain, right? That mm. was part of my identity and I really had to, only probably six months ago was when I sort of set that free for myself and, um, you know, figured out that I'm so deserving of everything that I've got in my life now and I'm deserving of manifesting anything that I would like. So the biggest tools was probably a few sayings that I use, like, um, I am responsible for my emotions, right? I'm the yeah. creator of them. So then I tried to figure out, okay, if I'm the creator of them, how am I creating them, right? So I really had to understand the beliefs that I have and also the thoughts because understanding that our thoughts and our beliefs create our emotions, which yeah. then create our behaviours. So I really just... Um, got to know myself more, right? I observed myself, I observed my patterns, right? And that way I could understand, I could understand my triggers. And with an understanding and acceptance of the past, there's the window there of change, right? I was then able to change it for myself. Um, Where I started was probably with a bit more of a routine and making sure that I had a morning routine, making sure that I moved my body, fed my mind, so listened to something inspirational, or if there was ever something that I was struggling with within myself, I would look at a TED Talk about it and, you know, look at, I don't know, impact theory or something that was um, related to how, what I was struggling with. Mm. And I started meditating only for three to five minutes. I still do it for that long. And I find that just giving myself that time um, is has been really beneficial. I also set a lot of boundaries, boundaries within myself, right, and boundaries with other people, asking myself, is this something that I actually want or is this something that I feel like I need to do, mm-hmm. right? So understanding what we feel like we should be doing and what we actually want to be doing, right? Or if I went into a social setting and I felt uncomfortable, why am I feeling uncomfortable? I don't need to go home and think that there's something wrong with me right? Because there's nothing wrong with me. So I need to understand that, okay, maybe then people aren't right for me. Maybe I just don't um, click with them. Maybe it's the environment. It's too busy for me. Um, And just, yeah, understanding yourself in a deeper level. That's all, that's where you can start, right? Because I feel like we know other people better than we know ourselves sometimes. So true. It really is just self-awareness. Like so many people think that there's this big magic tool or special thing that's going to change everything. And it's honestly just being aware of your own self and your own patterns because you can't change what you're not aware of. 100%. And just getting to know yourself and your soul and, um, you know, with all the disordered eating and stuff like that, I know that I'm not my physical image, 
right? Mm. So there's so much more to me. And now that I see the value in myself, I'm able to manifest so much more, um, you know, and have quality friendships, quality relationships, have more clarity about where I'm going because I'm not so caught up on, um, I guess, the physical aspect of everything because there's so much more to a person than that. Yes. And you know that I can relate to this so deeply because this is something that we bonded over a little bit when we first met was like, you know, our, our history of the old disordered eating, which is so incredibly common. And I would love if you could share a little bit about what that kind of experience was like for you and whether you feel that, you know, I guess what the reason behind or the cause that kind of triggered that in the first place for you. Yeah, so um, it was quite a challenging time. Um, I remember being like 14 or 15 and that's when I started um, high school. I went to an all-girls school and it was very, everybody was fixated on their appearance. Um, And I kind of started changing my food because, you know, I I wasn't a chubby kid, but like I wasn't tiny, right? Mm. And I felt like I needed to be tiny to be accepted. So um, I started going on all these different diets. I went on like a lettuce diet. I went on like the Beyonce diet. I went on all these different diets. And um, I just like it it caused conflict within my friendships as well because they're like, what are you doing? And I was like, just leave me alone kind of thing. Um, And then I started taking, I don't think, I don't know whether you know what Duramine is. Yeah, yeah. Um, I started taking that and like, other things that I shouldn't have just to lose weight and the only problem with that is that I could only get my hands on a certain amount I was like the juggo <laughs> <laughs> um, I could only get my hands on a certain amount so I would like starve myself in these tablets for like say a week but then I would lose like you know five to ten kilos then the next week I would gain it all back plus a few more kilos so I was kind of like going backwards and forth and you know as well as it was bad for my physical it was always it was also damaging for my mental Mm. Um, and this happened for quite a few years and then I left um, school moved out of home and I just found that I was binging a lot right so um, when I was stressed or something was happening I was binging and it's only been up until about probably six months ago as well where um, when I'm feeling a certain way this binging would occur Mm. Um, and then with the disorder with the body image stuff as well um I got this thing called cool sculpting done where they freeze your fat yes I've, I've have heard of that yep um biggest mistake <laughs> um because I got this thing that one in twenty thousand people get where your fat actually grows back in lumps so I had all of these lumps all over my stomach um, and in three months, I was going to Europe for two months and I had these like fat pockets all over my stomach and I researched into it and the only treatment was liposuction or abdominal plasticity. So a month before I went to Europe, I got liposuction done and then I went to Europe for two months and it was just a very challenging time in my life because I went on this big holiday. I was in pain. My stomach wasn't healing properly because I had them hard fat pockets. So I had a lot of scar tissue. Um, And then I went on my first overseas holiday and it was for two months. And that was a big discovery into finding out about myself, but also with my stomach, the way that it was, it was really, really challenging. Um, And it's only been recently, I guess, um, in the past six months that I've really understood where it all came from, right? Understanding my emotions and that I'm creating them, which then creates the behavior. What was the emotion that I was running away from? Mm. Right. Um, And a lot of, and I realized that it was whenever I felt lonely. Yeah. That was the underlying emotion. And even when I had people around me, I would feel lonely. And I had to really tap into what that meant for me. And a lot of the time when I was alone at home, that's when I would binge in the past. So it's like I was reenacting how it was for me when I was a teenager. Um, That's something that I really had to deal with. And obviously I didn't want to. And that's why 
when I would be stressed or I would be feeling that emotion, it's easier to eat something and then feel the shame and guilt of eating something. And that takes me away from the actual feeling that created the behavior. Yeah. I think there's a really powerful message in that. And it's for so many people with disordered eating, whether it's under eating, whether it's binge eating and stuff like that. It's actually never, I would say, 99.999% of the time, it's actually never about food. And it's always about the underlying, you know, cause and reason. And I know for me, mine was the feeling of um, either not feeling enough or or not being safe. And so it was like, I guess the loneliness was kind of similar to that as well. Yeah. Mm, it's so crazy how, you know, we get so caught up in these patterns and things. And the funny thing is, is that no one actually cares what you look like, what you, and and we have this such deep rooted belief that we're not going to be loved or we're not going to be enough or we're not going to be worthy or um, people won't want to be around us unless we look this certain way. And it's just so not the case. 100%. And the shame and guilt that I guess um, disordered eating brings is just like you feel like everybody knows. Like yes. There's so much shame about you feel like if you walk out in public after you might have binged that everybody's going to know that that's what you did or you feel just like I used to feel disgusting. Like, mm. ugh, like and then how could anybody love me when I'm this disgusting? Like these yeah. are the sort of things that I, I used to feel and it kind of stopped me from putting myself out there for many years because you know, as much as nobody saw it, I, I knew what I was getting up to behind closed doors. <laughs> yeah, I can so relate to that shame piece of like, I remember sometimes I would like almost not plan a binge, but like almost like if I didn't have stuff to binge on, I'd be like, go to Coles full well knowing that I'm going to get stuff to be able to binge yeah. on. And I remember like having my basket, putting chocolate in my basket or something like that. And the shame of like, I would say buy a packet of lettuce or something like that to be able to put on top of the block of chocolate so no one could see. And I'm like, do you know how many people go in the chocolate aisle or buy chips or buy whatever and it's just normal? But for me, it felt like I had this thing on my forehead saying like I'm about to binge and you know it. Like it's just so wild the level of like shame we can hold on to um, within ourselves. But I would love to know that awareness piece that you came to like, oh, whenever I'm lonely, I do this. So you gain this awareness piece. What's next? Like, what do you do from there? So I kind of just understood about what it meant to feel lonely, right? And what I can do to help myself not feel lonely. I feel like once you can name the um, name the feeling, then it's like, okay, how can I fix this, mm. right? Um a lot of the time when I have felt this way, maybe I don't feel seen, I don't feel heard, I don't feel like when the people that are in my circle, the five closest people, I don't feel a deep connection with. And I know within myself that I'm a very deep person, right? A lot of my friendships, they're never surface level. It's on a deeper level. We like to vent, we like to talk about our experiences and our emotions and it can't, we kind of help each other through life, right? And whenever I'm feeling this way, it just means that I'm lacking that. It might mean that I have a conversation with my partner um, and see maybe we need to have a date night, right? Or maybe we need to spend more time together. And it's just really, um, I guess, knowing myself now and knowing that these are the things I need, right? Sorry, that's Franklin. Franklin. (laughs) These are the things that I need, right? How am I going to meet my needs? And I feel like, you know, when we talk about self-love, it's so broad, but really what it means is being able to listen to what you need and being able to give that to yourself. Yes. My definition of self-love. And now understanding yourself more, you you know how to make it better, how to fix it. Mm. And something that I feel like we had a little bonding moment over when, when we first met was this idea of like being like a really highly sensitive, empathetic person. And like, however, if we were, whenever, if we were at parties, we would always get stuck in these DNMs and it would be like this, not a good energy exchange, but then we got in a DNM and it was a very beautiful energy exchange. But 
Um, it's so interesting to me how loneliness is a core trending theme for you and what you crave is connection. However, when you're a deep person and you crave connection, it's almost very easy to feel lonely, especially being a sensitive person, because you can feel almost like you can be in a room of people and you feel a little bit misplaced in that literally just energetically, not because um, you don't belong or it's just like literally the energy of it is feeling like I can't break through because my energy is here and all this energy is over here. Does that kind of make sense? 100%. I feel this a lot um, in social settings. Mm -hmm. And when I'm out and everybody's drinking and having a good time, I feel like everybody's like in a bubble and I'm on the outside looking in, right? And it's like, I don't know whether I can't be present or um, a lot of the time I think the noise and the loudness is maybe a bit too much for me sometimes. I've Mm -hmm. understood more now that um, I am probably sensitive to a lot going on and noise. Um, So it's really just um, understanding where I like to go, what I like to do and who I like to be around. And I went out on the weekend and I went out for a girlfriend's birthday and I didn't know anybody there but I honestly had the best time I was so present like-minded people right and I was like you know what it's not that I don't like going out and being in crowds it depends on who I'm with yeah because if I'm not having a connection it doesn't even need to be deep just some sort of connection with the people that I'm with I feel so out of place and it's it's a horrible feeling and I just go home and think there's something wrong with me. Why don't I fit in? And then I came to the conclusion that in a lot of settings that I used to go to, everybody, I guess, puts on this front and to fit in, right? Mm. And I know for me, I know within myself that I don't put on a front, right? So if I'm not fitting in, it's because a lot of the people around me aren't actually being their true selves. Yeah. So and you feel that. I don't know, what do you think about that? Because that's sort of what I came to the conclusion. Even some of my friends, I, I, I can hang out with them in front of a group and I'm like, that changed, like something's happened. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. Uh, I can relate to that so deeply. And I think that comes in with being like a really energetically sensitive person. And it's almost like, you know, the feeling how sometimes you can literally just be like lining up for a coffee and someone could walk into the coffee shop. You've never met them, don't know them. And you just get this weird, icky feeling or the complete opposite to that. Someone could walk in and you just like their energy's vibrant. Mm-hmm. It's almost like you can pick up on the energy of inauthenticity and you might not even be able to put your finger on it, but you just get this feeling of like, my body is picking up that there's an off energy. And then you're, you being the sensitive one, you're the one left with the repercussions of all of that icky false energy. And it just feels um, energetically draining. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. So crazy. So what would you do if, if you're finding yourself, because obviously like we want to be around like-minded people, we want to be in good energetic environments and things like that. But every now and then there's always going to be, I guess, a situation or an event or something like that, that we kind of have to go to, um, or we find ourselves in a position where it's maybe not the right energy, or there are some like people around that aren't so like-minded how do you protect your energy in those moments? Like what are some things you either energetically energetically, or just tangibly do to be able to process or like say, stay safe in that environment? Yeah, so a lot of the times I know if it's going to be one of them situations, I kind of had a feel like even on the weekend, I had a feeling that I was going to have a good time and I was going to, you know, fit in with everybody and really connect. So it's like I know when I'm not. Um, and I prepare for that mentally before say if it's a setting where I know certain people are going to be there that might be a trigger Mm -hmm. um I sort of run over a few scenarios in my head and I go okay they could say this and this could trigger this and just understanding like sort of prepping myself for if the worst did happen Mm. right but then after that I'm like you know what I'm keeping an open mind I'm just going to go in and most of the time it's better than the scenarios that I've put in my head anyway but I don't stick with them scenarios right it's really just because the thing is if I don't do this I'll walk into the situation and I'll walk out as like 14 year old Amy yes 
because I go in as me right now and then I walk out as me that's not healed. (laughs) Yeah, that makes so much sense. It's almost like you need to like ground into who you are and what you're walking into so you can like maintain that. Yeah, and understanding that why are they going to trigger you? Maybe because I feel like this person could potentially belittle me and that's a big trigger for me right so it's like you know what's going to happen if this does happen who am I now right what do I know true right Mm. instead of maybe my beliefs in the past of not feeling good enough you know I know now that I am good enough so I don't want to walk out with the old belief of mine you know if I can prepare for it in advance yes And something that I would love to reflect back is just this. I I can see that you are very well boundaried um, and not even boundaried in a sense where you've got like all these walls up, but just boundaried in this like, yeah, I know what's a yes, what's a no, what's okay, what I'll tolerate, like just a very clean energy with that. But I think boundaries, they're a little bit of a, almost like a trending topic at the moment, I feel, but so many people have such difficulty setting boundaries and they feel so incredibly guilty. What are some tools you would recommend in terms of like, just acknowledging why boundaries are important and how we can start setting them? It's about looking at the outcome of the boundaries, right? And when I look at my life, I feel like I've got these unspoken boundaries and in the past year, nobody's crossed them, right, compared to in the past, right? Mm -hmm. I'm very clear about what my boundaries are and I'm very sure about what I want and what I don't have, not in like a, um, you know, coming on strong way. Like, you know, it's just about knowing myself and being true to that Mm -hmm. Um, and boundaries like, People are going to react badly when you first set a boundary with someone, especially if they're used to walking all over you, Mm. right? So you've got to be prepared for the backlash of setting boundaries after not having any. So it's about being clear on your boundary and your why, like what's the why for that boundary. Then you've got to set the boundary with somebody, right, in whatever way that looks like, Um, and also within yourself as well when it comes to Um, what's going to happen after you set the boundary. It's about staying to your word, right? Staying strong um, and keeping that boundary in place no matter how painful it is, right? It's understanding why you're wanting that boundary to be in place. Yeah, which is worthiness. Yeah, yeah. It's just about putting yourself first. Everybody else thinks for themselves, Mm -hmm. right? And people, um, you teach people how to treat you. And I'm a living example of that because I used to allow people to treat me like shit. And it's because I probably didn't think highly of myself. So when you do the inner work, which is what I teach my clients, um, you don't even need to set that boundary. People actually pick up on the unspoken boundary because you're now taking care of yourself. You're treating yourself in a certain way. So it teaches other people to treat you that way so really I like to think that boundaries you don't even need to speak them half the time it's really just about treating yourself better and understanding yourself better and that teaches other people to do the same yeah I I fully agree with that I have had so many experiences where once I've set a boundary and not only just like set it but actually felt worthy of having it my energy has shifted, which meant how I've shown up or how I've communicated things have been different. And just people pick up on that energy. And exactly as you said, you don't even need to say it. They just feel it. Um, I would love to know what are some of your favorite like practices, tools, techniques? um, Yeah. Things that you, I guess, use with clients that you feel are quite common that could be beneficial for like a lot of people with a lot of different, um, I guess, struggles. I think the biggest thing is understanding your story. When I first started my personal development journey or or the up level um, of the personal development, I wrote a story about my life and the most significant moments of my life. And after I wrote it, I read it and I understood, I could see everything so clear. I could see how what I've been through is a reflection of my behavior currently and my emotions currently, 
but to being able to look at your story from a different perspective. Because sometimes we can be so in our story, right? And once we take ourselves out of it, we can see, we can see if we're acting the victim. We can see um, the different patterns that have come up. Maybe you don't feel like you're seen. Maybe you don't feel like you're heard. So it's all about understanding that. Um, and then I like to figure out where maybe the resentment is towards people, right? And a lot of the time, um, when we talk about forgiveness, a lot of the time we just need to forgive ourselves, mm. right? Because we're the we're the ones that are putting ourselves through this pain, right? It's nobody else. So um, a big part of it is that forgiveness piece. And when somebody's struggling with an event or situation where somebody might have mistreated them, um, we look at all different perspectives, right? What else could this mean? What might have been going on for them, or what? Um, sort of knowledge and wisdom do they have based on their upbringing maybe they were treated like that so then they thought it was okay to treat you like that or they're not even conscious right of how they were treating you because that's all they know so I like to look at things from a different perspective because that helps us to set ourselves free from the resentment from the pain right and a lot of the ways I do that is in just like a forgiveness letter Yes, I love that. And and you can burn it after, you can do whatever you want after, but um, journaling is a massive, right? It's a massive part of my life and um, even more so when I might be struggling with certain things, um, but it's now a daily practice that I do every morning. Um, and in that um, journaling, I might tap into how I feel, but sometimes I'm like, you know what, the fact that I'm tired is it really relevant? Maybe I'm going to do some future self journaling. So um, journaling about how my day is going to look like or how my week's going to look like. Mm. Um, then it might be something that I'm excited for, um, what I'm grateful for, and it's kind of just whatever comes up for me. Right? So journaling is a massive part of it. And then after we do the forgiveness with my clients, um, it's really just that inner child work and that reparenting right they're re-educating because they're missing that fundamental piece which is the emotional education yeah right and knowing how to I guess be the parent that you needed at the time where you might have been struggling so that re-parenting where we're really trying to understand the emotions but then you know looking at yourself I, I think I've listened to this in one of your other podcasts where we kind of see ourselves as our younger self Right. And instead of working against it and saying, this is bad that I'm feeling this way, working with your inner child. I like to, you know, having compassion, love and compassion for it, right? And understanding because it is going to pop up. Even my past traumas pop up occasionally. But instead of pushing it away, I work with myself, right? Yeah. I have compassion for that little, say, seven year old that, um, you know, was was really distressed and might not have had the comfort that she needed, right? How can I comfort that little child? What would I say to a younger child who was presenting with the same thing? Because as adults, you know, we, we think that adults have to have everything figured out, right? That there's a little kid in all of us. Yeah, that's so true, isn't it? It's like we think that, like, where's the line? Like, where do we draw the line between being a child and all of your emotions are valid versus like hitting a certain age and now all of a sudden you're expected that you shouldn't feel all of these emotions in all of these boxes. And if you feel any of these emotions over there, then that's bad. So I think like if there's like one trending theme from like our conversation today, whether it's like the inner child stuff, whether it's like the tools and the practices, the understanding the deeper why behind binging and things like that, it's all about bringing your awareness to your emotions, having love and compassion passion for however you're showing up in that and relearning the emotional regulation skills that you probably weren't taught as a child as well 100% and I like to think that somebody that hasn't been through much childhood trauma um, they don't have to deal with it as much as somebody who isn't, isn't healed or wasn't educated as a child on how to deal with their emotions right? Because it's so fundamental. And I feel like it's such a missing piece to a lot of yeah. people's upbringing. It's mm. massive. I'm trying to work out ways that I can help more when it comes to parenting. And, you know, maybe in the future, there's something for me there. But um, I think that it's fun the fundamental part of growing up, because a lot of the reason why clients come to me is because 
they don't know how to deal with their emotions and they feel like they're too much. And the big difference between, I guess, being able to understand and accept our emotions, um, a lot of things that I come across, which is where it gets a bit messy, is the victim mentality and also the emotional dumping and taking the emotions out on people and saying, this is why I'm like this because of this and not changing it. Right? So there's a fine line between it's okay to have these emotions, but it's not okay to blame them on other people or emotionally dump. Um, and also playing the victim is only going to keep you in the same place. Yeah. Right? So it can be really tricky when working with clients because sometimes there is that and it's like we really need to steer away from it right? and take that's where that full responsibility comes in. Right? Not for the yeah. past, but your part in it now. Yes. Yeah, it is. You're so right. It is such a fine line between not invalidating someone's experience and saying, yeah, it's totally okay. You feel this. This is so valid versus like on the other end of the spectrum, it's like not emotionally dumping. And something I see is like the difference between having an emotional experience and like perhaps venting is like, one is, are we talking about the same problem over and over and over and over and holding on? Or are we talking about something once um, or a couple of times as we work to move through it? And on one end, we're actually looking for a resolution and we're looking at how we can release it versus the other one. We're actually not looking for anyone to solve our problem. We're not actually being open to uh, feedback. We're just like wanting to word vomit and like not open to receiving anything back or having reflections made back. And so I think understanding of like, if you are, feeling a certain way and if you're having like an emotional reaction to something that's so valid but if that same emotional reaction is coming up time and time and time again and you're not open to feedback on how you can release it shift it and you're not here to problem solve you've then moved into just emotional dumping 100 and sometimes people that are stuck in that mentality they're not actually hearing anything that you say yeah 100 <laughs> you could say the same thing over and over and they don't hear it because they're so fixated on their story, mm. right? And this is the biggest thing that I do with my clients. I always have a consultation call before because it's like, are you committed and willing to do the work to move forward, right? You need to make that decision before you heal that you were committed to healing and willing to do what it takes, right? Because yeah. if there isn't, that's the first step. So if you miss that step, you're always going to be chasing your tail, yeah, because like your ego is just clouding you from receiving reflections and being able to shift and change anything. And you can't help someone who won't help themselves at the end of the yeah, day. So true. You know, a lot of people might hire a coach. I don't know whether you've had any experience with this, but, um, you know, you, you can't carry somebody to the finish line. No. Right? They need to work within themselves. Oh, you know, it's the hardest. <laughs> yeah, it is so hard as a coach. And like, the, the inner work you have to do as a coach to know the difference between taking responsibility um, and, you know, being ethical and creating a safe container and doing all of the things versus actually knowing like, this isn't mine. Like I can't take that person there. Like I've done my due diligence. I've done the best I can. And just knowing that not everyone will be ready and that's okay as well. But I do have one last question. But before I ask you that, I would love if you could share where can people find you if they want a little bit more Amy in their life? How can they work with you? What have you got going on at the moment? Yes, so you can find me at, at Amy Zepanoski on Instagram. That's probably the best place to find me at the moment. Um, and at the moment, I'm working just with one-on-one -on -one clients, but I am in the process of building a um group program so I'm really excited about that and it's going to be all the things that we talked about today um, and I really just want to show up and even create that connection for everybody because I know you know me feeling lonely sometimes I know that at the moment especially with everything that's going on um, everybody's feeling it everybody's lacking and craving that connection right so I really want to build something that creates that space for people um, so that's really exciting. I also have a planning business, so planning and organizing. So that's at Mima Planning. Um, and at the moment, I am producing a 2022 diary planner. Um, and I've incorporated um, not only planning and organizing into it, but also part of my um, coaching into it as well. So it's going to have some personal development 
um, in it as well. So that's really exciting. But yeah, there's a lot of things coming up, um, but there's a few just to share now. Amazing. I'll put all of that in the show notes just and link it all up just in case anyone wants to have a little look. But just to finish off, if there is a someone listening right now and they're feeling stuck, they've been playing the victim, they've heard this and they're like, holy shit, I'm ready to take responsibility. I'm ready to change. It feels scary. What's just like some intuitive advice, like whatever comes up for you, whatever your intuition pulls through of just like, how do they step forward? Like, what do they begin doing? I think um, for themselves, having one small daily promise that they keep to themselves and that they follow through on. Just one thing, even if it's waking up at the same time every day, making your bed, going for a 10 minute walk each day, like start small. That's the biggest thing I can stress because um, if you go too big, you'll end up just not doing it, right? And um, the biggest part of um, the point of this journey is to build that self-worth and that self-confidence and also the self-trust. I feel like self-trust is massive. So one small daily practice is going to build the confidence, going to build the trust, right? And following through, doing it even when you don't want to do it because motivation is garbage we're never going to feel like doing anything right so but we need to do something that's going to build that for ourselves, and that's going to then um help us to manifest what we want into our lives so beautiful I love that and I completely agree setting a small like no matter how small like I'm going to drink two liters of water a day go for a walk whatever it is every time you say I'm going to do this thing and you honor it and follow through with that your self-trust builds which is beautiful and that's why you start small because you don't want to do it and then not do it like stop doing it because that then puts you deeper in a hole kind of thing yeah Um, I think it's so important just to honor that daily practice um and that's where you start Mm, just building new narratives yeah exactly and then I like to build up as well so the first week pick one thing the next week build on that or maybe add another thing into your routine Mm. right that's what I've done the past few weeks I've woken up at 5 30 watch the sunrise that was last week this week I added in a mountain walk watching the sunrise so it's like I didn't start off with the walk but mm. I was just struggling to get out of bed at that time yeah right? so I'm kind of building on it and then next week I'm like what's going to be my next challenge but I'm also going to continue what I've already set out for me because um I've noticed such a difference in how I feel it's amazing yeah. what can happen to your confidence and self-trust when you really honor um, what you set out to do for yourself. It's like if you organized to catch up with a girlfriend and you didn't catch up with her, right? She wouldn't be your friend for much longer. So Mm -hmm. it's about building that relationship with yourself. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Good little analogy. Thank you so Sorry, much for sharing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always here for a good chat. Um, but thank you for your wisdom. And um, yeah, it's been beautiful to have your energy in this space. And I'm excited for everyone to hear and hopefully take away some stuff from today. Yes, amazing. Thank you so much for having me, Jesse.